powered by Transistor FM. Welcome to Friends, Foes, and Neither. Do not adjust your podcatcher settings, as what you are about to hear is real. It's the Derek Duvall Show. Prepare yourself for insightful interviews with incredible people. Join us now as we delve ever deeper into the human condition. And now, coming to you live to tape from the Derek Duvall Production Bunker, it's Derek Duvall! Hello, Duvall Nation. Hello. Hey, everybody. Hi. Thank you so much. Please sit. Thank you. Hello, Duvall Nation, and welcome to the Derek Duvall Show. That's right. We are back with another fantastic journey into the lives of extraordinary people. Before we jump into the episode, though, I want to say a huge thank you to my last guest, the legendary Russ Bray. The man gave an incredible interview, and the feedback from both the darting world and my regular listeners was immense. If you have not had the chance to listen to our great interview, I strongly encourage you to listen to it after the conclusion of this episode. And I want to thank Russ again for being so gracious with his time and for coming on the show. So welcome to episode 149, and we have a great interview lined up for you today. We have on the show author, actor, and public speaking coach, Tyler Foley. Tyler will be talking to us about the myth around the fear of public speaking, his work on the cult horror film, Freddy vs. Jason, how challenging a Hollywood audition can be, overcoming a severe health crisis in his teens, and we will be talking about his book, The Power to Speak Naked, How to Speak with Confidence, Communicate Effectively, and Win Your Audience. So let's get Tyler out here. Duval Nation, please welcome to the show, calling in today from Calgary, Alberta, Canada, author, actor, and public speaking coach, Tyler Foley. Hello, Tyler. Welcome to the Derek Duvall Show. How is the weather out by you today? You know what? It is glorious out. It's a beautiful fall day. Got the leaves going, gentle wind, but it was still a nice enough temperature that you could be out with just a light jacket. I actually took my uncle to the cemetery today and we walked amongst the tombstones and said hi to my grandparents. Nice. So I start my interviews off the same way. And that's how has it been for you to navigate the COVID-19 pandemic? You know, it's been really, I like, I think with everybody, it's been weird and wild and wonderful. You know, it's, I, the thing that I found interesting was how, what was normal became abnormal and what had once been out of place became commonplace. Uh, you know, uh, for me, a lot of this became virtual. You know, I, I used to do a lot of media circuits and, and do a lot of interviews on TV and radio and, and then, you know, live in person podcasts. And now to like go and actually somebody's like, well, do you want to do it in studio? I'm like, that's so weird. Why would we drive? Do it like this. And so it's been, yeah, it's been interesting. So every journey has a beginning. Where were you born and what was it like growing up there? I was born in a very small rural town just outside of where I live now and uh, born and raised, uh, grew up in, in High River. It was, um, it was a nice upbringing. You know, if, again, being very rural and Western too, you know, I, I, we're, I'm basically in Texas North, you know, hometown values. You could, I, I remember biking to school when I was in the second grade and that was just, that was my mode of transportation until I became 16 and could drive. <laughs> 
And then and the funny thing is, is by the time I was uh, 15, I was actually going to a fine arts high school and billeting away from home. So I, I, um, I needed a vehicle just to be able to get back to say hi to mom. But growing up, uh, particularly in a farming community, the way that I did was was wonderful, actually. Mm-hmm. And I had a, an interesting blend because I actually grew up in the theater when I was six years old. I, I, I had my first role on stage. And so I had this really weird blend of rural cowboy and urban arts. And so I had a very eclectic upbringing, but it was wonderful. Nice. So during the research for this uh, interview, my team discovered you had survived a stroke at 17. Is that correct? So a medical incident that was stroke-like. To be uh, perfectly honest, we have no idea what happened. The easiest way to describe it is to say I had a stroke, but the Heart and Stroke Foundation would be like, no, you didn't. And I'd be like, well, yeah, no, but it's the the best way for people to understand, you know, the paralysis. I had a full uh, paralysis of the left side of my body for over a year when I was 17 in my my senior year of high school. So it was, that was an interesting challenge. So how long did it take you to recover from that? Almost a full year. Uh, Initially, we weren't sure if I'd even be able to recover. Again, the, the suspicion was that I had a stroke and then it was that I, they thought I might've had a, a, like a Bell's palsy of some sort. Problem is if I had a Bell's palsy, it would have only affected my face. And if it was a stroke, I wouldn't have been able to um, recuperate the way that I did. So we're really not sure what happened, but about a year of really, really intense physiotherapy, a lot of chiropractic visits, a lot of massage therapy, physiotherapy, Laser acupuncture, traditional acupuncture, Western medicine, Eastern medicine, a lot of stuff went into trying to make my body function normally again. Mm. Do you have any favorite memories from your time at the University of New Brunswick or the Southern Alberta (laughs) Institute of Technology? Uh, Yeah, so uh, my favorite memory of SATE Polytechnic, as we know it, the Southern Alberta Institute of Technology, was actually being the valedictorian. And the bigger memory for me was actually getting to watch my wife walk across the stage two years before me. And then two years after me, she has a a double diploma that uh, she received. And then I squeezed my schooling in right in between her two years of school or her years of schooling. And when she graduated the first time, I remember seeing the valedictorian give a wonderful address, but I remember think being in the, in the auditorium thinking I could do a better job. And then I was like, well, that's that's the goal now. I'm going to go and do that. And then being valedictorian and University of New Brunswick, I actually did all of my schooling with them from distance. And then the first time I was actually on campus was this summer, having received my diploma because they'd reached out to me to do a media campaign. And I ha- I just my father-in-law lives in Prince Edward Island and all of my wife's family is in New Brunswick. And we happened to be literally five minutes from campus. And they, they'd they reached out and they were like, could you do this interview thing and, and you know, do a video submission? And I'm like, well, you know, I'm right on. I'm like moments away from campus that it was on my bucket list to come and, and actually see the campus. And they're like, oh, come to the library. We'll give you a tour and we'll give you an interview. So those are my two favorite memories from both those schools. That's awesome. Now, you and I have something in common, and that is we both feel everyone has a story. I don't know why I do what I do, but why do you feel that way yourself? Well, because I've seen the transformative power of 
people sharing their stories. And the, the more I've delved into why, the more I've learned that that's how we've communicated for eons. And everybody, I have yet to meet somebody who doesn't have a story to tell. A lot of people don't feel that they do. But when you dig just a little bit, everybody has a story. And when we have the courage to share those stories, it's amazing how quickly we can impact the life around us and, and what we're doing. So how I book guests from my show, I have a very specific list of qualifications that a potential guest must meet. Some of those guests, when I reach out to them, they feel they don't have a story you know, worthy of sharing. What do you say to those people who aren't able to discover this story? Well, there's a really fast exercise that we can do right now, Derek. Anybody who says that they don't have a story, and this is something that I do in all of my seminars, all of my workshops, anybody who works with me, we go through this exercise, and I love it because it's very powerful and very fast. All you have to do is take your age, however old you are, and round to the nearest five, whether that's up or down. Take whatever number you've just determined and divide it by five, and that will give you five even time periods of your life. And now the fun exercise is looking back at each one of those time periods and asking yourself, what is the most prevalent or significant memory that I have from that time period? So when I do this exercise, I'm 43 right now. So I would round up to 45, divide by five. It gives me five even time periods of nine. So that first time period, zero to nine, I look at that and go, two significant memories come to my mind. The first one is the first time I was ever on stage and the sound of applause and, and the feeling that I got from a standing ovation. And that's the other thing with these memories is they don't have to be like these vivid pictures. They can be a feeling, they can be a sense, they could be a, a smell, a color. I, you know, I've had people who have very vivid, clear memories. And then I have people who have kind of like just a, a feeling that comes. So whatever that memory is, it doesn't have to be this vibrant, bright picture. For me, again, it's a sound, it's the hearing of applause, and it's a feeling of, of warmth and joy that comes over when you get a standing ovation. And then the other clear memory that I have literally happened two months after that, almost to the day, and it's the sound that my mother made when a police officer and my family physician came to our back door to tell her that my father was never coming home because he passed away in a motor vehicle accident. And she made this, this noise, this sound that was animalistic. It was just guttural and earth shattering. And I have spent my entire life chasing the first sound and avoiding the second sound. And it had, it profoundly impacted me. And then you just do that for each one of the time periods. And I promise you, you have at least five stories to tell in your life, if not more. And it's a very quick uh, exercise to do. The real homework comes after you've done that quick exercise and explore the why. Why are those memories important to you? And subsequently, what lessons did you learn that you could then teach other people from those memories? I've heard that sound myself. It's not something uh, I would ever want to hear again. So, no, yeah. no, it is. Yeah. It's the most. And the funny thing is, is I never have heard it again until I was watching a movie with my wife, with um, Josh Brolin and Jennifer Connelly. And it was about those firefighters, forest firefighters that perished. And the, the scene where Jennifer Connelly gets the news and she comes out of their cabin, she made the noise. 
And it was an instant trigger for me. I like, I started shaking. My wife had to look at me. She's like, what's wrong? And I'm like, I, I can't keep watching this. This is, this is just, I don't want to watch this anymore. Mm. My mother, um, we had moved over to the United States uh, in the nineties. My, my mother had left her mother back in Wales and she, something happened. She went to the hospital and my mother was on the phone trying to get a hold of the hospital when she passed. And that sound, I will never forget the day I die that, that scream yeah. she made. It was, yeah. Yeah. No, it 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 etches itself into your subconscious, into your soul, and it is one of those things where, you know, it could keep you up at night if you let it. And it's, mm. I never want to hear it again. Absolutely. So, moving on, how hard was it for you to get established as an actor? Remarkably easy. That's the funny thing because I didn't have to do anything because I was six years old, and my uncle had overheard a casting director complaining about how hard it was to find a, a small boy to play tiny Tim. And uh, he was like, well, how small do these boys need to be? Because my nephew is a wee tiny man. And so he ended up getting her card and I ended up going and auditioning and, and uh, frankly, talent had nothing to do with it. I just happened to be the, the right physicality. And because I was so young, I wasn't afraid to, you know, be up on stage. So from that point on, I, I kind of just, I had an in, and I was also naive enough to think that I was a superstar in a, you know, I was a big fish in a very, very small pond. So I had a very healthy ego when I first moved out to like where real actors were in Canada out in Vancouver. And I, I didn't even know that I, it should be hard apparently. And although I've, I've had my struggles uh, booking, they were never a thing that I ever worried about. And I think that was one of the luxuries that I had was that, I was never concerned about, you know, if I could make ends meet acting, I just always did. And so it takes the pressure off. And it's amazing how when you don't have the pressure of working, how easy it is to just go and do and, and work. I started watching that show, um, Barry, a couple of weeks, a couple of months ago. And the scene where um, Henry Winkler is there and he's auditioning for like one part, he's like, gives three versions of like, this is me, you know, eating at the table. He's like, no, no, no. And he does this another version at the side and what have you. I've never actually gone to an audition. So I guess I figured that might be what that might be like. It's, it's actually very, yeah. Sometimes they ask you to give it differently. And sometimes you, sometimes you just nail it. And yeah. they're like, that's great. And you don't know you nailed it. And you're like, I could do it again. And they're like, no, 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 it's great. And then the, the hamster starts running and you're, you're like, did, it, did was that good or was that bad? Sometimes you go in and you think you did really good and you didn't. And they're like, no, no, that's fine. It's okay. <laughs> and sometimes you go in and you don't do it right, but they really see that you could do it right. And they ask you to do it a couple of different ways. And the thing that people need to know is it's not talent that books you the role. Talent is what got you the audition. If you are getting auditions, you had, you are talented. You've, you've got what it takes, you know, but once you get into the room, there's so many variables outside of your control that it is nearly impossible to know why you did or did not get a thing. I've booked things because I have blue eyes. I've booked, I haven't booked things because I have blue eyes. I remember booking a role once and in between takes, I was sitting next to the director and, you know, just small chat, you know, how's it going? He goes, good. And I'm like, he's like, do you know why, why I cast you? I was like, no, I think I was asking him if he wanted me to read it differently. Cause it was like a one line. I'm just a day player. So it's just a throw off line. And he goes, I just liked your lips. <laughs> okay. Yeah, there you go. 
So when I told my listeners you're going to be on the show, a good majority of them looked at your INDB profile, and they want me to ask you the one question. I'm pretty sure you already know what I'm going to ask. <laughs> what was it like to work on Freddy versus Jason? It was surreal. That was uh, one of my favorite gigs because I didn't start on that show as an actor. The background uh, casting director or extras casting director, Annette, was a, a, just a gem of a human being. And she would um, do like a, a sole source casting for me uh, for stand in work. And so like, I, and that's just the person who stands in front of the camera when they're lighting the scene. And you, sometimes you look like the actor. Usually you just are generally the physical size of the actor. And in this case, it was Jason Ritter. And I, you know, I just, I just happened to be close proximity to him. So I was doing a lot of the uh, stand-in work. And then I got to do a little bit of photo doubling and some minor stunt work. Because again, I was so close in physicality to him that they were just like, well, he's already here. He's already close. Let's just do that. I got to do so much work on that set. I was I was probably on it for about two months. And then they had a script rewrite right near the end of filming. And they what they thought was going to be um, just background roles, they needed to actually upgrade to an actor role. And because I'd been on there and because Annette knew it, and it was part of her casting overview instead of main casting which was already done so she ended up getting to cast it she's like well tyler do you want to do this in the student role and i was like sure and then it was cool because it was all the rest of the work that i had been doing robert eglin who plays freddie wasn't around and i i was doing a little bit of stunt rigging and, and helping out with with some of the scenes where he's going through he's blasting off like propane tanks and they're like shooting i i got to help with the rigging with that to actually be on and on set and then be like three feet from him having grown up watching nightmare on Elm street was like, honestly, I was just a kid in a candy store at that point. It was the most surreal thing that I've ever done. It was awesome. Okay. Duval nation. We're going to go ahead and take a small break right here, but we will be right back with the conclusion of this interview with Tyler Foley. May I suggest you take this time to refresh that drink and take some super long deep breaths. You know, that's right. Clouseau style. Out with the bad air, in with the good. Out with the bad air, in with the good. Please give your attention to a few friends of my show and we will be right back. Hello, my name's Callum. I'm one of the hosts of 1001 A Film Podacy alongside my friend Jake who isn't here. Each week, me and Jake will discuss a film included in the film reference book 1001 Movies You Must See Before You Die. Which films I hear you ask? Well... The only criteria for the films we pick are it has to be in the book and it has to have been made between 1960 and present day. Just to start off with, we may explore earlier decades in later episodes, we'll just see how we get on. Ahead of recording, one person will pick a decade for the other person to select a film from. This will be kept secret and revealed live on air, which I'm sure will be unbelievably exciting. For the first episode, it was Jake's pick and obviously I had to know ahead of time which film we were discussing, but at the end of the episode, Jake picks out a decade for me and I reveal the film, ready for next week. So we'll rate each film and place them in a master list in order of how much we enjoyed them. And once we're done in 58 years or so, we will hopefully finally be able to answer the question. What is the greatest film of all time that was made between 1960 and present day and included in the book? Does that make sense? Hopefully. If not, sorry. Um, so subscribe wherever you get your podcast from. And the first episode is released right now. It's live. So I hope you enjoy it. Um, thank you for your time and goodbye. Cheers. 
Duval Nation, Derek and Mindy Duval here to talk about Jerky Pro, the standard in premium beef jerky products. The Derek Duval Show and Derek and Mindy's Fun with Movies is proud to be sponsored by the team at Jerky Pro. As a veteran, I am always the first to support veteran-owned businesses. Setting up shop in 1987 and founded by military and paramilitary veterans, they have set the bar for how beef jerky is processed, flavored, packaged, and sold. With strict quality control standards, Jerky Pro offers many flavors that are sure to please any beef jerky connoisseur. From the standard original flavor to honey glazed, peppered, teriyaki, sweet barbecue, or if you're brave enough, the fierce red hot, there are many flavors guaranteed to entice your palate. Offered in various sized packaging, use promo code DUBALL37, all in capital letters, at checkout to receive a 5% discount. Remember, folks, if your beef jerky is not making your mouth water, then it's not Jerky Pro Beef Jerky. Jerky Pro, the standard in premium beef jerky products. Hi, this is Glenn. And this is Sonia from Echo Valley. And you are listening to The Derek Duval Show. Here's a song called Faces in the Mirror from our album Anarchy and Alchemy. Teachers, do you ever have these feelings or have been told these things? Do you want Kleenex for your classroom? Maybe you should think about buying your own with your own money. You get the summer off, you can have a second job. Do you really need a pay raise? Oh, do you need to use the restroom? Maybe you can do that in the three minutes while students are changing classes. Boy, sure hope your room doesn't descend into Lord of the Flies in that time. Oh, things are going pretty good for one. Surprise! Budget cuts! Well, you're in luck because we've got a book just for you. Hi, everyone. It's Katie Kinder, educator, speaker, and author of Untold Teaching Truths. I invite you to purchase my book and join this journey as we talk about the wild world of public education. Part memoir, part strategy, it is available on BookBaby, Amazon, or wherever books are sold. Teach on Warriors. We've got this. 17.9 cycles ago, us machines defeated the humans. Now, we're living the good life here in Droidston, Manitoba. Morning, Gif! Morning, Dust! But there's still the problem of human infestation. That's what it's time to call Human Be Gone. Human Be Gone! Wherever you get your podcasts. Human Be Gone! Hey, this is Patrick Baker, and you are listening to The Derek Duvall Show. Check out my new single, Sorrow, available on all major streaming platforms. And you can check my site out at patrickbakermusic.com. Don't leave my upper heart on the water. Cover me in ragging bones. This is Benjamin Sledge, author of Where Cowards Go to Die. In my award-winning memoir, you'll discover the raw humanity, intricate complexity, and brutal barbarity of those who served in the Iraq and Afghan wars, and the psychological toll it took on modern veterans. 
You can purchase Where Cowards Go to Die on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, or anywhere major books are sold. Look for me on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Benjamin C. Sledge. Welcome back to episode 149 of the Derek Duvall Show. Let's get right back to it with the conclusion of our interview with actor and author of the book, The Power to Speak Naked, How to Speak with Confidence, Communicate Effectively, and Win Your Audience, Tyler Foley. So I want to talk about your book, The Power mm. to Speak Naked, How to Speak with Confidence, Communicate Effectively, and Win Your Audience. Now, first off, great title <laughs> and great cover. Thank you. <laughs> Where did the idea to write the book come from? From a couple of different sources, one, my agent, and two, a promoter who wanted to bring me onto one of their stages. Both of them kept telling me that I needed to have a book. And I'd been doing this training course that originally was called Basic Instructional Technique because I needed to come up with a way to get people in the room without them knowing what was happening. Because if you say Public Speaking 101, nobody would sign up for your course. You call it Basic Instructional Technique. It was originally geared towards uh, supervisors and middle management who had been thrust into these supervisory roles and then didn't really feel comfortable speaking in public. So we called it basic instructional techniques so that they could then deliver training material. And then they rapidly got ambushed and walked into the room and told they couldn't leave until they got up and gave a speech. So I had all of this training material. And the promoter said, I love what you're doing. I really want to work with you. I love your course. I would like to offer it to my audience. But everybody who's on my stage has a book. You have to have a book. We, you just have to do it. So we ended up transcribing all of the audio from all of these training sessions that I'd done and compiling it into a book. So it's really nice because now it's like, A, it's a really good introductory to me, but it becomes like a really nice companion guide for a lot of what I teach. What would you say would be the hardest part of the book to write? Probably the introduction or the dedication. Because <laughs> once I got into the content, the content was easy. And again, I spoke my book instead of writing my book. Right. But when I had to get down to like, who do I want to dedicate it to? I dedicated it to my daughter. And the introduction, like, who do you thank? Like the acknowledgements was difficult because I didn't want to leave anybody out. But at the same time, if I thanked everybody who had contributed, the acknowledgements would be larger than the book itself. Yeah. So I really, really struggled writing that first little bit, but the rest of it came very easy. The The real hard part um, was the finalizing the book cover and like all of the stuff that happens after the manuscript is actually typed up. That was actually more difficult than putting together the words on page. Dispel the myth for me that people are terrified of public speaking. And in your humble opinion, where does stage fright come from? Uh, so, so we can do this all in I Thank you for asking it as a double question because it's a dual answer that ties in. The myth that we're afraid of public speaking can be instantly debunked if you have ever been to a restaurant and ordered food, particularly if you didn't know your wait staff. Because usually what I hear is I'm afraid to speak in public or I'm afraid to speak in front of strangers. But if you've gone to a restaurant and you didn't know your wait staff, you were speaking in a public place that is speaking in public. and you were speaking to a complete stranger, plus you asked for what you want and got it. So this notion that I'm afraid to speak in public, I'm afraid to speak to strangers, I'm afraid to ask for what I want, all of it is null and void if you've ever been to a restaurant, ordered food, and got it delivered to your table. But, and I can hear the audience screaming, Derek, but, 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 if I'm in a restaurant, nobody's looking at me. Well, if you're concerned that people are looking at you, your fear is not a public speaking. Your fear 
is of public judgment. So where stage fright comes from is this fear of being judged when the spotlight is on you and your words are the only words that are being spoken. And that all the attention is on you and therefore the things that you're going to say are going to be scrutinized. And so it's this fear of public judgment that we have, which is very real. And that tends to manifest itself in stage fright. The great news is it's real easy to get over once you realize that the audience is actually on your side and you're the expert or you wouldn't be having the platform to speak from to begin with. What was the reception to your book like? Really interesting, actually, because again, I kind of, in my opinion, half-assed the book, right? I took some content that I already had and repurposed it into a book. And I always felt a little offish about it, but it was number one in its category within two hours of being released, which was super awesome. Stayed at number one for a couple of weeks, which is pretty rare for, particularly initially my book was self-published. It got picked up by a traditional publisher, Morgan James, a year and a half after I had initially published it. And that was really validating that the content, although I felt that I had somehow, I felt it was somehow lesser than because I didn't sit down with a pen and paper and write the thing out. Uh, it was remarkably validating to hear how many people resonated with the words on the page to the point where I was able to get picked up by a traditional publisher. So the reception, in my opinion, has been worlds beyond what my expectations were, because originally I was literally putting it together so that I could give it to the power of success group and say, here's my book. Now put me on your stage. <laughs> and and so to to have put something that people resonate with is has been really really quite a gift and, and I'm, I'm very grateful that people enjoy reading it that's awesome in your professional life what would you say would be the hardest obstacle you've ever had to overcome um probably the complete collapse of my first business um i had a a falling out with my business partner and then she passed away very suddenly i had basically put three to four years of my life into this endeavor plus every ounce of capital that I could muster hoping to get this thing off. And I literally lost it over a weekend. And, you know, we didn't have the right director's insurance in place. Um, my name was not on a lot of the leases of the equipment, you know, and overnight we lost a interior mobile mapping machine that was worth a couple million, three different planes and, you know, photogrammetric scanners and like the whole the whole nine yards was gone overnight. And that really knocked the wind out of my sails because that was going to be my forever thing. My uh, uncle had grown up, well, had, had created his own mapping firm and I kind of was going to follow in the family footsteps and I was going to do my own thing. And like, you know, I had it all mapped out. And, um, you know, the best laid plans of mice and men, Derek, <laughs> often go awry. And this one went off the rails rapidly. Mm. All right, so what's next for Tyler Foley? Just growing the the speaking, growing the training. I have a wonderful event that we're putting together in, in Las Vegas that'll be coming in spring of 2023. I have a very large event that's going on in Planet Hollywood in Cancun just before we do the Vegas event. So we're going to put together a, a big training thing and then I invite anybody who wants to come from the Cancun event into the Las Vegas event. And plus we'll be pre-selling ahead of time for that as well. 
pushing the book. Uh, I have a revised version of the book. If you liked the, this title, you'll love the, the revised version because it is The Power to Speak Naked, Bigger, Longer, and Uncut. Uh, so we'll be giving some some extra bonus material in there, and it's a little tongue-in-cheek. The thing that makes me laugh the most about it is Morgan James has picked it up, and Morgan James is traditionally a Christian publisher, and I've managed to get that <laughs> that title past them before they realized kind of the innuendo behind it. So my apologies to David, who is the <laughs> president of, of Morgan James, but, you know, I'm a cheeky guy, and I like it. So I always like to ask one fun question as we enter the final phase of this journey together. What sort of shows or music are you currently into? Oh, that's a, a good question. I, My wife and I love watching Face Off, not the movie, but the TV series about makeup artists because I just, I love what they do. I remember doing the makeup tests for Nightcrawler when X-Men 2 was filming in Vancouver and I was in the makeup chair for like, four weeks i got to meet rebecca romaine stamos when she was uh, still rebecca romaine stamos and not right. just rebecca romaine <laughs> and uh it she you know i got to see her do her makeup thing i got to do a whole bunch of stuff and it was it was just it was a really fun thing to do and so for me and my wife to be able to watch it and be like yeah no and they do this and and, and all that I love watching that. And for me, my favorite television show, it's not on right now. It's in between seasons, but the curse of Oak Island, I I'm a treasure hunter at heart. I also, my, most of my family is from the East coast of Canada and around Nova Scotia. So I've known about the Oak Island treasure for years and years and years and years. I actually wrote a, a short story about it. The first published work that I ever had was a short story about divers going through the flood tunnels into uh into the um money pit and uh so i you know i just i i love that show i love what the lagina brothers do i actually reference them a lot in my training sessions about perseverance and and all kinds of things so i i, I even have a, an oak island um hoodie that i i tend to wear <laughs> when i'm doing a lot of my podcast interviews that are for video because you know semper avante i think is just an awesome saying to say so it's kind of like my subtle nod to always going forward and putting it out there as we begin to wind down this interview what is the best way for my listeners to follow your adventures online well the best thing they can do derek is go to my website um and i'm sure you'll put it in the show notes so if they want to take a moment and hit pause and, and go and scroll and find that before they actually go to my website they're already on yours so i would ask them to do me a huge favor and if they're going to hit pause before they start scrolling and looking for my information, they already have your information. And if they're regular listeners to your show, I would ask them to give you a five-star review and say why. What about your show are they listening to? What was a favorite guest that they had? What was one of their best takeaways? You know, be really specific because it only benefits them. If you know what they like about your show, you can duplicate more of that and then they'll like it even more. So it's a win, 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 win. And if they're willing to do that for you, Derek, then as a thank you from me for helping support your platform and, and helping me message out there because it's going to help everybody, uh, then I would invite them to come over to SeanTylerFoley.com. Sean is spelled the proper Irish way, S-E-A-N-T-Y-L-E-R-F-O-L-E-Y.com. If they come over there, say Tyler sent you, I will right on the main landing page, they can click the main link. It'll take them over to my Endless Stages Facebook group. From there, 
they will get access to the Endless Stages Facebook group where I go live for 20 minutes every Tuesday at noon Pacific, 3 Eastern to give a 20-minute presentation training on whatever happens to be the hot topic in the group that day. They'll also get a free PDF download of The Power to Speak Naked. They'll get access to my Drop the Mic uh, video training series, and I give everybody a 20-minute one-on-one session with me. And that's not one of those weird triage uh, sessions where... I ask you, how are you? What do you do? And then try to sell you into my $10,000 coaching package. That's a conversation after you and I have established a relationship. And the first part of that is for me getting to know you and finding out exactly what you need. And if I can be of assistance, and if it's not me, if somebody in my network can be. So the 20 minute one-on-one is just to get to know you. And those are all my gifts to your listeners, Derek, but only if they're willing to give you a five-star review, no Mm five-star review, no freebies for you. You hit it here first, folks. (laughs) All right. So I end my interviews with my favorite question. The question is this. If the entire planet was listening to this broadcast, what would be the one thing you want to say to the people of Earth? You have a story and you have no idea the power of that story until you tell it. You don't know who needs to hear it until it's out into the world. So know that you do have a story and don't be afraid to share it. The book is The Power to Speak Naked, How to Speak with Confidence, Communicate Effectively, and Win Your Audience, available on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, or wherever books are sold. Tyler, thanks ever so much for taking the time to come on the show today. Good luck for the rest of your career. Thank you, Derek. It was a joy and a pleasure. And just like that, Devon Nation, we come to the end of episode 149. I want to thank Tyler for coming on the show and sharing his profound wisdom with us. I highly encourage everyone to check out his book and his website as soon as they can. Tyler, thanks again for coming on the show. Okay, tune again next time as we showcase another extraordinary person. I have a really, really good one coming up in a few days, so be sure to keep checking your favorite podcast streaming channel for that episode to drop. Also, I think it's fair to ask you, the listener, have you enjoyed this episode? I truly hope you have, so please go hit that subscribe button to keep up to date for when new episodes drop. Also, If you're feeling generous, drop us a review. We love reading what our listeners have to say about us, good or bad. We are still enjoying our partnership with the amazing Tee Public. The Derek Duvall Show has a great little store on there with everything with our logo on it, including magnets, stickers, and mugs. Plus, we have some really fun t-shirts on there that Mrs. Duvall and I added ourselves. So please go to our website, DerekDuvallShow.com. Go on the banner on the left that says Merch. Click that, and you will be taken to our store on Tee Public. And once again... I want to thank them for being such great partners with the show. So on behalf of myself and the entire team here at the Derek Duvall Show, I want to say to each and every one of you listening, start a conversation with a random person today, whether it be waiting in line at the supermarket or whatever. You'll be amazed at how it makes you feel to connect with a random human being. Now, don't be creepy, of course, but be genuine. Trust me, it feels amazing. Nostar, God bless, and see you next time. Planet Earth. This has been a recording of The Derek Duvall Show, and we thank you for listening. Please go to our website, DerekDuvallShow.com, for links to merchandise and to explore past episodes. Please find us on social media on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Derek Duvall Show.